Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. We're going to continue our series on Colossians. We're calling the series Jesus Over Everything, which you even heard that phrase in the song, Jesus Over Everything. So if you have your Bible, you're welcome to turn to Colossians chapter 3. We'll be reading out the New Living Translation in a minute as you're as you're turning there, I'm reminded about how quick things seem to move now and how things just seem to happen sooner rather than later. So like we're in early July, yet it's almost that time for back to school shopping, right? How many of you, you know, if you're like me, when it was back to school shopping time, that was like the one time of the year that I actually bought clothes. My parents would take us and buy clothes. I could distinctly remember our back to school shopping every year was centered around a sporting goods place called Chicks that would have their summer tent sale and we'd go. That was our back to school shopping and we loved it, right? And now, you know, there's not really sales now. They just lie to you. Oh, it's on sale, 75% off. And then you're like, what's the retail price? $4 million, right? It's like, that's not a sale. You're just lying to me. So that's a different subject. So, but I remember we'd go, we'd pick out all of our clothes and we'd always, it was always exciting, right? Cause we get our clothes and that would always put a little bit of excitement to head to school because we'd always love to go to school. I'd always love to go to school and I'd wear my new shoes, my new shirt, my new uh, shorts and new underwear, new socks. I just felt so good, right? Many of you like me when you're wearing ni- your new nice clothes, you look good, feel good, right? You know, dress for success is how the world would say it. There's something about putting something on that can kind of give us a little bit of a pep in our step. In fact, let me let you watch a little video of my daughter, Aaliyah, and uh, her with that in mind. Try to get them on. Show me. Where'd they go? Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh, you okay, Aaliyah? There she is, just hamming it up, right? Hamming it up for everybody, hamming it up for her twin sister and I, going, oh yeah. The minute she put on those glasses, she'd shake her shoulders, and I don't even know where she learned it from, but I mean, she knew, she's like, I look good, I feel good, I'm gonna let everybody know it, right? As we read this passage in Colossians, we're gonna look at how our new life in Christ, or as we've called it, Jesus over everything, how we can put on a new set of clothes. And you know, the reality is, is that we can walk around, not because of our work, but because of Christ's work and walk around with, oh yeah, and you know, and do it for God's glory, right? So if you're there in Colossians 3, uh, why don't we all stand up as I read the chapter and we'll, uh, we'll do it out of honor for the Lord's word. You can all stand up and I'm going to read it. You could listen to it. Uh, so let's stand up as I read Colossians chapter 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. 
So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Quick side note, that's called a vice list. It's not exhaustive, but it's listing some things that don't belong, that don't belong in our life anymore, right? Then he goes in verse 10, he continues and writes this, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. If you don't know what that means, ask Pastor John. Barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. By the way, if we just use that passage, we could preach a whole message on how Christians should show true reconciliation because it's all about reconciliation with him before it's reconciliation with anybody else. And all these anybody else, all these divisions are man-made, cultural-made. They aren't coming from the Lord. So that's a side note. That's freebie. Since then, since God chose you, verse 12, to be holy people, he loves... You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. That word there for rule is like umpire, right? Like help guide it. So that's another little side note. I could do a lot of these side notes. I need to stay focused. I just had some coffee. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Verse 16, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ." But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. Let me pray. Father, we love you. We're thankful we can be here to worship you and hear from you this afternoon. God, speak to us. I know you've already been are speaking to people and will continue to speak to us here this morning, just at the reading of your scripture. Lord, let me, the seeds that are being 
planted here this morning bear fruit, Father, in our lives. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You can give somebody a Bible bash as you're sitting down. Jesus over everything. I'm going to give you the three points that are principles that I'll be talking about today so you could write them down and then you can just listen throughout this uh, time together. They're, they're simple. It's one is set your heart on things above. Two is set your head on things above. And three is set your hands to things above. So set your heart and your head on things above and set your hands to things above. Paul wrote this book of Colossians to the church there to combat a form of heresy called Gnosticism, which was a knowledge, a false knowledge, or a knowledge that essentially taught that you could experience through this special knowledge and rigorous self-discipline a higher way of living. And in part of their thinking and in part of their, uh, their wrong thinking was that what they did in the body had no impact on the soul. They created a dichotomy. They split it apart. Hey, you know, if you have this proper thinking, you know, and this self-discipline, then what you do in the body really doesn't matter. In fact, their lives often were very similar to that of the godless people around them and in the cultures that they lived. And we should be thankful that the early church faced these heresies because that was part of the reason why the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, ended up writing these letters to combat these heresies that then give us the theological framework of how to live for the Lord, both back then and now as well. So their, their challenges of those times create the framework for us to know how to live, and they these standards don't change, right? They are for all time. And in this passage, we see part of the contrast of this Gnostic thought of how they can just live their life versus a Christian thought of, and Paul's thought of, there is a new life in Christ. This old life is dead and it's not part of it. We can't live that way anymore. It's a new life. We live this new life, first of all, by setting our heart on things above. When we set our heart on something, it means that we want it very much, so much that we'd be disappointed if we don't get it. In fact, we're not only supposed to set our heart, but we need to set our heart on things above, right? You might think as a believer, well, what does that mean as a believer? Paul describes it to the church in Philippians when he's talking about himself. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize, is how he calls it, for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. There's a calling to pursue a heavenly prize, that the earthly things don't matter. Jesus tells his followers this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Then he goes on, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When our heart is set on heaven, we have a heavenly prize and treasures that cannot be destroyed, cannot be tainted, cannot be taken away. We realize that even though we're here on earth, it's temporary, but what happens for eternity is really what matters. The thing is, is that as we're here on, our, on, on earth, it's easy for us to stick to the patterns of this world or to be set on our own fleshly uh, old self agenda. Jesus kind of describes it this way when in the book of Matthew, he says, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, and all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. 
These are what defile you. And then he says, eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. So he's combating rules and regulations that were being set up, but saying this is what matters. This is what matters. If our heart's not right, then it doesn't matter if we wash our hands and follow this rigorous self-discipline, our laws, which we're good at making laws and laws on top of laws, right? We're good at doing that. But our heart needs to be set on, on things above. It's easy for our heart to get set on different things, right? It's easy for our heart to be set on something like the delicious red burritos from Vargas the Mexican Tessin and Pico Rivera, oh, those are so good. And your heart can be so set on it, you can begin to salivate and taste the burrito in your mouth. And then you'll want to drive there and go there and you'll park and you'll walk up to the door and you'll realize it's closed because it's not open on that day. And then you'll be heartbroken, right? By the way, just a little reminder that's not so friendly, but it's Sunday, so you cannot go to Chick-fil-A. So let all of your tears be in here right now, not in the car with your kids, because once you tell them, there'll be even more tears as well, right? Right? We can all be heart set on something, or maybe it was on someone, on a relationship. If you're like me, that's right, your heart set on a relationship, Nolan, right? If your heart set on a relationship and you went to school, like, college like I did, there's a phrase that would go around, ring before spring, right? There's like this unwritten pressure that if you were dating somebody that you were supposed to put a, put a ring on their finger, Right? like Beyonce before Beyonce came out, right? Ring before spring was a constant saying. There was a heart set on getting married for them, putting, putting, setting your heart on a relationship, or maybe there's a gift that you just have your heart set on. Maybe there's something that's like, I got to have. I, I really want this. I'm, my heart is set on it. Or maybe there was an opportunity and your heart was set on a business endeavor that you worked with somebody in conjunction with. And, you know, and all of you can relate to having your heart set on something. But here's the unfortunate side of things is that within all of this is that our hearts will be broken because we're human. And when we set our heart on someone or something, it's going to be broken at some point. We all are going to face this heartbreak we're all going to be disappointed. We're all going to be brokenhearted at some point. But does that mean we just stop caring about anything and everything? Not at all. That's actually the absolute wrong thing to do. We don't clam up and quit caring. We need to remember that our heart needs to be set on things above, on the right thing. Right? Psalm 37, 4 says it this way. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's this fascinating thing that as we set our heart on the things of, of heaven or the things above, that God gives us the things of earth that it's like we probably really want it anyway, but he does it in a, in a healthy and appropriate way. He doesn't withhold the things. He actually wants to give good gifts to those he loves, which is all of us. We need to have our heart set on things of heaven. Let me give you two quick thoughts about setting our heart. One is we need to guard our heart, right? I love how Proverbs 4 says, 23 says it. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of life. Our heart is critical to the direction we take. That's part of the reason why our relationships matter, right? It's part of the reason why we say outside of knowing the Lord and walking with him, who you marry is the next most important decision you make because that's setting your heart on a course, right? We need to guard our heart. The second thing is that we need to let Jesus heal it. We, I, we, we've all had broken hearts. 
We've gone through different experiences, occasions, situations where our heart is broken, but Jesus can heal it. He's an expert at that. In fact, Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. We all have wounds. Have we allowed the bandages to be applied? Right? Here's a couple questions to ask about setting our heart on things above. Are we setting, what are we setting our heart on? Have we been brokenhearted? How have we handled that heartbreak? Set your heart on things above. Two is set your head on things above. You want to set your heart, but you also want to set your head because God will change our heart. The minute we come to know him, he's changing our heart, but he also wants our head to be changed as well, right? Not like often on put on a new one, right? But he wants to change the thoughts and the patterns within our head, within our mind, of, within our thinking, and that's called transformation, friends. I believe that God is more interested in transforming our mind than in transforming our circumstances, right? I believe he's way more interested in that than he's more interested in transforming our mind than in our circumstances. Now, I'm not saying that if there's a need for healing or something like that, God can supernaturally transform circumstances. But a lot of the things that we're asking God to change, a lot of the circumstances that we may be asking God to change, really he wants to transform our minds. Because if we don't transform our minds, a lot of these circumstances will end up back in. It'll just be a new name, new place, new, new date, new time, but we're in the, gonna be in the same circumstance until we've allowed our mind to be transformed by him, right? Same, same circumstance, new place, new time. That's why I believe he's more interested in a transformation than in just changing our circumstances and pulling us out of those. Paul says this to the church of Rome in verse, Romans 8, 6. He says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. As believers, a battleground is so often just between our ears, right? It's in our head, in our head. Then I think of the cranberry zombie. God can transform circumstances, Right? Just an old 90s reference, sorry. God can transform our circumstances, but he really wants to transform you. You've probably heard it said this way, our problem's not our problem. How we see the problem is the problem. As we transform our mind, we begin to focus more on God and his ways, and we begin to realize that our problem is not the problem, it's how we've seen the problem. And then as we focus on God, the problem begins to change and shrink and disappear as we lay it down at his feet. 2 Corinthians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 16 through 18 says it this way, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We need transformation between our ears. We need to focus our thoughts and attention on things that truly matter. I think that one of the enemy's greatest tactics with believers is to try to get us distracted, which will make us ineffective and unproductive, right? You know, you'll hear me talk about it a lot, but we live in a day and age where we have distractions at our fingertips. We can all pull out our phone, and within three seconds, we're completely distracted. Here we have these smartphones, but they're full of dumb apps, right? Tell somebody, 
get, you need to get some dumb apps out of your life, right? Careful how you say that. I don't want you to get in trouble. I know how some of you talk at home, and we won't even go there. We'd be better off, right, getting rid of our smartphone, going to a dumb phone, and actually using it to call people and talk to them, right? Versus the phone entertainment, right? Delete, 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 right? Get, use a phone to call people. If you, you know, there's some things we need to delete from our life, right? And when we delete it, hopefully we don't repeat it. Change that habit, right? Delete it so you don't repeat it. You know, it's an interesting thing that we all will have our hurts, our hangups, and habits. You know, it just depends. Do you want to let God transform it? Or are you going to just continue to live with it? Celebrate Recovery, one of the phenomenal ministries at our church, meets every Friday night. You know, it's a great place to go and to let God work through those things. We're all broken. That's part of what the beauty of CR is that we're all broken, and, but we all need to let God work through it, right? It's a process as well. Transformation does not happen instantaneously. It's a process. The old theological term that you have probably heard before is called sanctification, right? It's a process. It doesn't happen immediately. Salvation is immediately, you know, meaning that when you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, it's, it's immediate. You are his son, his daughter. You are an heir to him. But sanctification is a process or transformation is a process, right? Here's what Romans 12:2 reminds us. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll know, learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, right? As we let God transform us, we realize that he does have a good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives. If you aren't sure what to think about or how to, to set your uh, head on things above, Paul writes this in Philippians 4.8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, right? You know, set your things on those things on those and you'll you'll be lining your mind up with what is from the Lord, right? Here's a few questions. What do you fill your mind with? Is it causing stress or is it causing peace? How do you practice managing what comes into your mind? Bible says take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. What role does scripture play in managing your mind? Some thoughts and some questions to reflect on setting your head on things above. And last, set your hands to things above. We set our hands to things above by living the Jesus life day in, day out, 24-7, 365. There are no vacation days, time off, sick time, any of that. There are no exemptions. But yet, it's easy for us to compartmentalize and set it aside and say, oh, it's okay. We can pull a modern-day Gnostic approach and say, it doesn't matter, God will forgive me. But that's not how it works. God does love you, but we don't, that's not how the Christian life works. It's a full commitment all the time, and it's a better way to go, right? How we live matters. Paul describes, uh, Paul describes it this way, that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying you can't, you can't put impure things into your body and expect to have the Holy Spirit dwell in you richly, right? You can't separate it out. You can't take those time off with our Christian life. It's not a light switch on and off whenever we please. The ONOFF actuator, which by the way, most of the problems with electronics, check the power cord, check the ONOFF actuator, turn the power on and off, right? That's for Pastor Chris. 
Our Christian life is not that way. It's a torch that's meant to stay aflame, right? There's always supposed to be a fire going. Paul uses the example and imagery of clothing so often when he talks about setting our hands to things above. He uses it in this passage, but he also used it in Romans where he said, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires, right? That earthly old self, he wants to get rid of it. It needs to go away, and we need to clothe ourselves with the new way of Christ, which, by the way, he's referring so much to baptism, which we got to see the baptisms here this, this afternoon. He's referring to baptism, that we've died to the old way of life and that we're risen to a new life in Christ. But when he talks about clothing, we're reminded that we need to put it on every day. We need to be reminded that we need to put on clothing, this new life, this new clothing from Christ every day, just like we do at home, right? Even if you're going to lounge at home and have a casual day, you're still going to get up and get dressed and get some coffee, right? And, and get your day going. You're not just going to lounge around and not wearing anything because there's too many Amazon delivery drivers coming by. You can't do that. Right? Every day. By the way, if, random note, if, you're, if you ever feel like I'm depressed or I have no purpose in life, get up in the morning, get dressed in something that looks good, and go out and do something that has something of significance early, and, that, and start to create purpose for yourself, right? So we want to put on this clothing every day, and Paul reminds the, the church in Ephesus that, hey, there, we need to wear armor, right? He, so he uses not just the imagery of clothing, but armor for them, because we're in a spiritual battle, and we need to be ready to fight, right? Not only do we need to put on clothing every day, but we need to put on clean clothing. He tells you to get rid of the old stuff, right? The old stinky grave clothes that, that, they, that we wear in our old earthly way of life. When you have kids who have diapers, you don't just put a new diaper right on over the old one because they have a dirty diaper. You have to take it off. You have to get rid of it. It has to be gone and put away, right? Even though we know that the toddlers, our kids, like their diapers because it's warm and it's theirs and they want to keep it as long as they could, you need to get it off, right? It needs to get rid of it. It needs to be discarded. We need some tied, fresh, smelling new clothes in our life, right? I went running this morning. I didn't just put on my these clothes over my running clothes, right? I changed out. You got to get these new clothes. And as we come to know the Lord, we got to let that old stuff go. We got to let that old stuff go. It's going to call to us because it's comfortable. It wants our attention. It wants, to, it wants us to put it back on, but we need to get rid of it, right? We can't just turn our clothes inside out despite what my six-year-old would like to do, right? It's not clean. You wore it already. It needs, it needs to be discarded, right? And trust me, I'm an expert on laundry. There's seven of us in our family. I used to have a couch, but I think it's now covered with clothing, mountains of clothing. Somewhere in there, there's a couch to actually sit on. In fact, you know, the only time I see it is if somebody's coming over and then the laundry, laundry magically ends up in one of the multiple laundry baskets hiding in a room or a closet somewhere. You're laughing because you do it too. I know how this goes, right? We need to put on clothing every day we, we, need to, we, need to, um, we need to wear clean clothes, and we need to wear the proper clothing for the proper occasion, right? You aren't going to go to Antarctica wearing a tank top, right? Just like you're not going to go to the beach wearing long johns, right? People would be like, what is wrong? Do you know what a sheep's favorite vacation spot is? The Bahamas, right? So that's for Arabella, my daughter there, just for her. 
You got to wear the proper clothing. You know that golf has one requirement for attire. It's that where you wear two pairs of underwear just in case you get a hole in one. So, hey, it'll catch up eventually, right? Wear the proper clothing at the proper time. You aren't going to wear your wedding dress to work out, right? You aren't going to wear your wedding dress to work out just like you aren't going to wear board shorts and flip-flops to a formal interview, right? That's not what you're going to do. We have to wear the proper attire at the proper time. Spiritually speaking, the same thing is true. Are we clothing ourselves day in and day out? Are we prepared, spiritually speaking, for what we're supposed to do that day? It's part of the reason why there's a constant reminder to take off that old stuff, put on the new stuff. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continuous thing. Just like when Paul writes to be filled with the Spirit, it's a continuous thing. We leak, you know, we mess up, we, mess up, we make mistakes. We need God's forgiveness. We need his grace because we need to take off those grave clothes, put on the grace clothes, and move forward with strength and power. Just like the vice list wasn't exhausted, we have some of the virtue lists that Paul writes of things that we should wear, great reminders of how we should clothe ourselves, what should be visible to those around us, right? Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love. We need the Lord to help us put that on. We need the Lord to help us put that on. And it needs to be visible to those who are around us. That's just living the life, the Jesus life, where we are demonstrating his calling and what he's doing, his work in our life. As we set our head, our hearts on things above, as we set our hands to things above. And as we put that on, we can walk with the Lord and think, oh yeah, oh yeah, and feel really good about what he's doing in our lives. It should sound a lot like the fruit of the Spirit, right? Let's set our heart, our head, and our hands to things above. And when we do that, we realize that, you know, Christ is all we need. He's our Lord and Savior. He's our hope, our happiness. It's all that we need. That's all that we need is when we set that all on him. Titus 3, 4, and 5 says it this way. When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Right? When we come to him, it's all his work. We just need to be willing to put it on and embrace it. And we need to get rid of the old. We can't put it on over the old. We need to get rid of the old and let him do something new and powerful. Set our hands to things above. Here's a few questions to ask. How can I make it real in my life as far as setting my hands to things above? Am I putting on the new nature found in Christ? Are there things that I need to get rid of? Right? Those are all questions that we need to ask ourselves and let the Lord speak to us. Set our heart on things above. Set our head on things above. Set our hands to things above. Friends, it's time to take off the grave clothes and put on the grace clothes. What about you? What about you? How are you doing that? How well are you doing that? Are you allowing Jesus to be over everything in your life? To say it differently, is Jesus Lord of your life? Because friends, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of everything, he's really not Lord of anything, right? He's got to be, he's got to be in charge of all of it. 
not just part of it, not just sometimes, but all the time. Even as Judy talked about during ministry time is, you know, I'm, we don't make good CEOs of our own life. We do well at making messes. But if we give our life over to the Lord, he will take that mess and he'll help transform it into a message of his glory and goodness. There's an interesting thing that happens that as we surrender to the Lord, as we allow him to take rightful place in our life as Lord of everything, we begin to realize that in his sovereignty, in his rule as the Lord of our life, that there is sufficiency. That all the things that we thought we needed to do on our own by ourselves that we're unable to ever do on our own, he's able to do. He's able to give us this wisdom and insight. He's able to change us from the inside out. And we're able to walk no longer with the grave clothes, old self, but with a new self. We're able to be visibly different to those around us who have known us, who have seen us in our old self ways and who can see us with the new self, that Christ, the work he's done. How about you? How about you? Who is Jesus to you? With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed and in the privacy of this moment, I want you to ask that question to yourself. Who is Jesus in my life? Let that question settle in your mind. Who is Jesus in my life? Is he a part of your life? Does he have no part of your life or is he your whole life? And friends, if he's just a part of your life or he is currently has no part of your life, I wanna give you an invitation to make him Lord and Savior of your life completely, 100% without reservation, completely Lord of your life. If that's something that you're feeling, you realize that this is something you need to do with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, I would just want to invite you, go ahead and raise your hand right now so I can agree with you that you want, you're going to make that decision. Lord, I come to you right now just thanking you. Lord, we take off the grave clothes, old self, those earthly desires, God, and we want to walk in the new self. Lord, your ways, clothed in your beauty, your majesty, God, on display for others to see so that your glory can be brought to your name. Father, we love you. We thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives here today. Continue that work until completion. In your son's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.